So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And today we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about proper worship. We're going to talk about um, what the goal of worship is. And let me help you here. Okay. Is this chair? Oh, this is the, the Super Bowl party. All right, so listen, on the Super Bowl party, obviously, this is a great chance, especially for freshmen and sophomores to come and for us to get to know everybody better. Um, we would love for you to come. If you're a junior or senior and the freshmen and sophomores are kind of your people or your group, it's okay. You can sign up and you can come. Um, that's not a problem. And if you're going to be like, if you don't have any place to go for, you know, the Super Bowl, you can, you can sign up and come. It's okay. We'll, we will make room. So did that go around all the way? So it's up here in case somebody else needs to, to sign up. We have plenty of room. We'll have lots of food, all that good stuff. So we hope to, hope to see you there. Um, so we started last week by talking about spiritual gifts and as much as possible, I want to put these stakes in the ground on what are these incredible truths that we want to hang on to. And one of those things, one of those incredible truths is that spiritual gifts are used for the good of the church. They are used to minister to one another. So these are because sometimes people tend to hold on to their own spiritual gifts. And if you have the gift of faith. Um, maybe you don't minister that to people the way you should, but spiritual gifts are used for the body of Christ. So that's this one of these huge truths. And then we're going to connect a little bit in this week. And then again, in two weeks, next week, Paul's going to be speaking, but in two weeks, we're going to talk about the most important gift and ministry of all is in first Corinthians chapter 13. And that is what love, right? Love that is love. Um, because that's the most important thing to practice as we are ministering to each other. Um, but we are going to talk today about um, worship and specifically what chapter 14 talks about when it talks about tongues. So if you're new to the group, um, we have these nice little booklets that if somebody around you has a booklet, you can scan the little code here on the back and um, you can go to page. Today we are on page. Let me get there. 33 of the booklet. So if you have your booklet, you can turn to page 33. You can scan the little code on the back or you can scan the code that's up here and that'll take you to the notes that we're going to be reviewing today. So can you guys remember the answer to this question or kind of what we discussed last week on why do we talk about what are, what can be controversial topics? So why is it important in our faith, especially as you're now kind of making faith your own why is it important that sometimes we talk about what can be considered controversial topics? Hopefully, hopefully by the end of today, we would have kind of narrowed things down enough to where these things don't necessarily have to be controversial because they're part of some freedoms that we have as Christians. But why do we talk about controversial topics? Paige? And see, she was ready to give an answer right there. Wasn't that good? She didn't raise her hand, but I could tell there was, she answered last week's. There was something there. Um, But yes, we want to be ready to provide an answer. We want to work through what can be at times more difficult um, passages, because when you do that, you actually, on the other side of that, you actually have more confidence in your faith. You have more confidence in what you believe. But the reason why we don't talk about controversial things all the time is because of why. Do you guys remember what, the, what we talked about last week was really the main focus of where we should be most of the time? 
Will? Yeah, because where we should be most of the time is unity is the main goal. So we really want to be focused on what, what are we unified around. Um, and we are unified around things like spiritual gifts are good for the whole body of Christ. We're unified around how we love and we in, interact with people in community around God's word, vitally important. We unify around the importance of speaking and teaching God's word. That is very going to, we're going to see that very clearly in chapter 14. And so this was something we covered last semester, if you were here, where we talked about that middle, which is the core doctrines of our faith. These are the doctrines that are necessary for unity among all Christians. These are the things that we should be known for as Christians. We should be known for faith in Christ alone. We should be known for these core doctrines that are vitally important, the gospel itself. And these are things we share very, very broadly with lots of Christians all over the world from all kinds of different segments of the Christian faith. So we're going to hold those very, very core and and important um, doctrines. And then outside of there's distinctive positions for the local body. And this is where people may have a slightly different view on things like spiritual gifts or maybe even what we talk about today. Um, There's different views on tongues and things like that. Um, and then the disputable matters of application. So these are on the outside circle. The, these are matters of your conscience. I love what Pastor Sam talked about today when he was talking about the book of Daniel. And, and really the key idea today was that Daniel is a book of what? Wisdom. All right. Wisdom is very important in the Christian life. If you grew up in what you may consider an incredibly dogmatic black and white background like like this is right this is wrong um there's pieces of that that are very comfortable just to be perfectly honest if someone told me all the time this is this is what you can do this is what you can't do and if you follow those rules you're going to be pleasing to god like you're going to make god happy and your life is going to be grand and you're going to find the perfect job and the perfect spouse and have the perfect family and really what the Christian life is also about, while there are pieces of the Christian life that are black and white, core doctrines, so much of why it's so important that we're together growing is wisdom. Wisdom speaks to so many areas of our life. And, and so we're going to talk about the application of wisdom in matters of conscience and how it specifically ties into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, so let's talk about worship broadly, and I love what, what Will had for us. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but Will's words um, and the songs there just tie in so well with, uh, with the passage. But we're actually going to read kind of a, a, a large section um, of, of the passage here because it just speaks um, to what we're really wanting to talk about. But that is what the goal of worship is. I'm going to read verses 22 through Actually, I'm going to read verses 20 through 25, and we're, we're going to look at the goal of worship. Okay, goal, and the first goal of worship is to experience God. So we're going to see that here. Look at verse 20, and, and listen, friends, I know it's really hard to keep your mind actively engaged when somebody's reading the Bible. Will you do this for me? Like, will you stay awake as, as I read through some of these and really search the scriptures? Ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you to these words. But look at verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Oh, I love this next phrase. Be infants in evil. Like, if you just walk away today and you forget everything we talked about with spiritual gifts, 
But if you could walk away with that one idea of brothers, don't be children in your thinking, be infants in evil. Um, I wish I was an infant in evil. <laughs> like, I, think, I think I'm pretty good at evil things. I think I'm, a, I'm like an expert at times in, in evil things. But be an infant um, in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. So that, that's, that is wisdom being applied. Okay, that, that's the idea. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then... They will not listen to me, says the Lord. So this is the Lord supernaturally speaking to people in a way that they understand, but they still don't listen. It says, thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. See, tongues were used to offer proof to what people were hearing was the gospel. But that's what, that's what tongues were being used for. Um, but a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and everyone is speaking in tongues, and then there's, there's three groups of people. So we're gonna, I'm gonna actually illustrate this for you, but there's three groups of people. There's the people in the church, and then it says, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. all. He is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God. And he will declare that God is really among you. So we, in our worship, are to experience God. Did you kind of come today expecting to experience God? So did you come today with the, or did you come saying, hey, I wonder what the message will be like, or you know, I wonder if Bert will have a funny joke or a picture of something. Or, but did you come expecting to have an experience with God? Because you should. You should expect that to happen. When God's word is open, you should have an experience. Um, so I'll, I'll just, this is kind of, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it just popped in my mind, so I'll go there. Um, but uh, the church I grew up in, you know, every Sunday was an altar call. Like every Sunday you had an altar call, and, and I personally do not mind altar calls at all. Um, I, th- I think they're great. And I also understand the opportunity to give people to, to make a decision about salvation. But if we truly believe that this word of God is supernatural and it changes us, every time we open it, and we give an altar call at church, every single one of us should go forward. Otherwise, we're saying, God's really, maybe God speaks to me, maybe he doesn't today. We'll kind of see what happens. And if it's, if it's really good, maybe I'll go forward and have a prayer. No, no, no. It doesn't matter who's speaking it. When God's word's open, we should all be having this altar call of our heart all the time. But there's three groups here. So the goal of worship is to experience God. And secondly, it's to speak or to appeal to the skeptic, the seeker, and the saint. So I'm gonna encourage you here, whether this is, whether one day you're going to be a pastor, preacher, teacher, or in your conversations with people, as you meet them and as you formulate conversations, this is a little bit of advice that I would tell you. When you're thinking about teaching or presenting the gospel, think about that there's three people there. It could, I could be talking to a skeptic, and an example of a skeptic would be Britney Spears, where she says, I'm an atheist, y'all, and she no longer believes in God. So think about when a pastor's preparing his message, part of what he should think about is what if there is a Britney Spears, you know, in the audience today, somebody who is very skeptical 
And here, this passage talks about who that is. It is an unbeliever. The Greek word that's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 here of unbeliever would be where we would get the idea of an infidel, someone who does not believe in God. So we need to think about that those people are active among us. They are here. There may be some of you here who are very skeptical and you're like, I'm really not. You know, people might think I'm a Christian or a believer, but I'm really not. I'm very skeptical about that. I'm skeptical about faith. Um, but in our worship, there will be people who are skeptics that are there. So we need, to, we need to plan for that. The second one would be someone who is seeking. Does anybody know who this is from the chosen? Who is it? So this is Nicodemus. You know, so I pulled, I pulled him out as the example of person number two. Maybe it's somebody who, in this passage, um, the idea of what it's talking about here is an unbeliever. Um, I'm sorry. Um, not for, it's, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. The two people that it talks about here are outsiders or unbelievers. Unbelievers are Britney Spears. <laughs> outsiders are people who are possibly seeking, but they might be outside the scope of where spiritual gifts fall. Um, they may be outside the scope of the church, but they are, the idea there is that they are more sensitive to spiritual seeking. And I would say Nicodemus fits that bill. This is somebody who um, is coming, looking for answers, and they're very religious. So that's the second thing we need to realize. When you are around people in this world, when you go out, get your job, and you start interacting with people outside of just the Christian circles, there's going to be some people who are very, very religious. They believe very strongly in being a good person or following a set of religious rules um, or um, in humanism. You know, they, they may be very, very you know, confident. And they may say something like, you know, you do you and, you know, Lathia, it's really good that you have this. I woke her up. No, you weren't sleeping at all. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but Alethe, it's really good that you have that Jesus thing. Like, that's great for you. But for me, I, and then they fill in the blank. So these would be someone who possibly is seeking or looking, but they're not antagonistic. They're not unbelievers that are antagonistic to God's word. So that's the second one you need to prepare for, that you need to be willing to talk through this with. And then the third one is, what if you're, preaching or teaching, and you have this guy in your church. Like, this is an old picture of the Apostle Paul. Um, so those are kind of your three audiences. Like, I could be talking to a Britney Spears, I could be talking to a Nicodemus, or I could be talking to a, a very strong believer like the Apostle Paul, um, who, who is, you know, there to share faith and to show me where to walk uh, in faith. Um, so those are the three types of people that we will be worshiping with. That's who you're worshiping around right now. You're worshiping around one of those three types. So you need to be prepared for all of them. Some of you are looking at each other and you're gonna go to lunch and you're gonna be like, which are you? You know, are you, you know, you're all Apostle Pauls, right? I mean, that's just you know, where we are. Um, but you're gonna be asking that question. But those are the three types of people that are talked about when it comes to our worship is that we need to appeal to all three of those um, and then what's taught in this passage also is we need to exercise control. We need to minister to others through prophecy. And then we need to submit to God's word. So, so that's kind of the goal of worship. Experience God, appeal to the skeptic, seeker, and the saved. To exercise control and to minister to others through prophecy by submitting to God's word. Those are just the big picture goals um, of worship. So I want to read the first part of uh, first. Corinthians chapter 14, so that we have a really good understanding. And I'll make a few comments as we go, go through this. 
But with these things in mind, I want you to listen to what is being talked about. Um, and then Wednesday night at our community group, um, some of us were talking about, you know, because it is, it's kind of controversial and you talk about spiritual gifts. And Enoch had some, a really good framework of how he framed some things. So I actually asked him to like, after I read this, to kind of speak around the framework of the idea of cessationism, spiritual gifts ending, and, and those kinds of things. So, so look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse number one, pursue love. That, 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 by the way, big pillar. I didn't get very far before I stopped making a comment. Um, these big, important pillars, this is a big one. This is big, mega important. Yes, spiritual gifts are for the unity, but right after chapter 13, after all, and we're going to talk again about chapter 13 in a couple weeks, but after all of that teaching on love, he starts chapter 14 with that reminder again. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and their consolation. Those are the, by the way, if you're going to be a preacher one day, those are the three things you need to, you need to have these in every single message. If you're going to be a counselor one day, that is counseling people towards God. Those are the things that need to be in your message. You need to be building people up, encouraging them, and consoling them. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone is there to interpret, so that the church may be built up. Now, um, so let's go back. Well, Enoch, are you ready to make those, those comments? Are you, it's okay if you don't want to. Like, I put him on the spot here, but. Yeah, well, so Bert and I, I'm trying to remember exactly, but we, we talked on Wednesday a little bit, it's like right before community. And like the cessation of the continuation conversation came up, and I mentioned that I would, maybe I would present myself and my understanding of Scripture as a continuation, but that, that that in itself needs to be couched in a lot of nuanced understanding. I think just in general, when we're engaging with people in this conversation, like charity and patience need to be like at the forefront of that conversation. Because um, like we see in scripture that like the Holy Spirit, He, he gives the church, He equips the church. Um, but even like historically, we recognize like, it's not hard to see that there's there was a difference in the apostolic age than in the, in the hundreds of years that came after that. Like that should be acknowledged. Um, and I think. I would present myself as a continuationist, but I think there's people who would look at me and say, you're not like continuationist enough. Like you're not actively engaged in certain things. Like I've had friends who, um, in their particular beliefs, they practice certain um, things such as a form of speaking in tongues. Um, and I think like scripturally, we need to, there's difference in understanding scriptural texts and that needs to be understood. Um, but I think a lot of people maybe initially back away from the thought of, we'll call them like the charismatic gifts because they've seen abuses. And we need to be careful that we don't formulate our opinions based on abuses. Like I would, I would not be in favor of a lot of what has come out of the charismatic revivals in America that uh, kind of started up with these new street revivals in the early 1900s, uh, the Pentecostal movement, because there's a group where um, certain elements of that group are like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. And this passage is proven saying, like, tongues isn't a point. Like, love, it's unity in the body. Tongues is a means of the spirit. 
in certain situations in the church's history. It could be contemporary, I'd be open to that, or we definitely saw it in the early church. That was a means of unity, but it's not it's not this highest thing that all Christians are called to. Um, and so I think yeah, keeping the perspective on on love and remaining open to the work of the Spirit, but also recognizing that not everything is of the Spirit of God, and that doesn't mean to say that it's of the devil either. Um, it's like we can have human weakness and psychological reasons for things that we experience. Um, yeah, I think just trying to stick with the biblical text and move forward in charity. Um, and yeah. No, that's great. That's super helpful. And I think, I think um, you know, what CJ closed with last week was one of those other important pillars that connects to what Enoch was just talking about. And that is, if, if God or the Spirit is speaking to someone through their spiritual gift to do something against God's word, that's very clear. That is not, you know, from the Spirit. That is not correct. That is not right. So we always come back to God's word. Um, but we, we realize, we realize that the Holy Spirit does lead. We sang about that in one of our songs, about how the Holy Spirit does lead us, it does guide us, it does bring conviction. Um, and, and so much of what we're talking about with spiritual gifts, many, many times is talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Um, so, so very, very important. Um, now, go back and let's start in verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? This is why we believe teaching and preaching or prophesying are, are so vital. That's a core belief of the Christian church today. Um, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But I do not know the meaning of the language. I will be a foreigner or a speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And something Enoch said is that since apostolic time, there's been no doubt there's been a shift in how tongues are used. Um, today, I believe, and it's always important to kind of get you know, definitions from people, I believe most of what we see in terms of speaking in tongues or those charismatic gifts are probably misuses. Um, they're probably what, what Enoch was talking about, what people saying that you have to do this. Um, um, and again, like with healings, as another example, we don't see healings today. You know, blind people that were blind from birth and, you know, somebody, apostles can heal them. Um, and, and withered hands that have been withered for life are all of a sudden made whole. Or somebody who hasn't walked in 30 years walking. Or someone who's dead being raised from the dead. Those were all things that the apostles were able to do to show that proof. Um, so let me go through these next few real quick and, and we'll get you out of here. Um, so the results of proper worship. We've, we read through, let me read through these real quick. But, but um, we'll talk about these and then we'll close with a few questions. Um, look at verse 25. It says, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. So this is talking about the seeker, um, the person who is skeptical, even a believer. Like our hearts should be disclosed when we come to worship. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And then verse 26, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. 
So let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be one or two at the most, and in turn, and let someone interpret. By the way, my uncle, my uncle Bob, um, he's with the Lord. I absolutely know he's with the Lord, but he was very charismatic. And I can remember at family events, if like my dad prayed, my uncle Bob would also speak in tongues during the prayer. Like as I'm a kid, I'm like, what's going on right now? You know, like, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. Um, but, but he would speak in tongues. And, and I asked him one time about like, do people ever interpret? Because if you're going to speak in tongues, the Bible's very clear or something. He goes, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't interpret. You know, we don't interpret our church. It's just everybody just speaks in tongues, but there's no interpreters. Well, right now, right then, you, you kind of lose that gift. Like if you're not going to follow these rules that are just so clear, um, you lose that in my opinion. It says, but, uh, it says, let two or three uh, prophets speak. This is verse 29. And let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all will be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of peace. Um, So when we look at the results of proper worship from this passage, you will expect to see God. All Christians will participate in it. It will be decently and it will be orderly. And then we won't get to the gender roles part. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But, but gender roles within the church will be respected. So let me ask these questions and then we'll be dismissed. So the test of proper worship. Have the secrets of your heart been revealed? Like have you gone to worship before God either in church, corporately, when you're singing and said, God is revealing something about my heart. Because when God reveals something about your heart, you are worshiping God. Did you come to church today expecting God to come down, to be here with you because he is? Um, I think even in the Lord's Supper, just the the presence of God in that as we remember what God has done, God is with us in those things. Are you trusting in the revealed scriptures or in new prophecies? And most of you probably would not say that you have been given new prophecies from God, but that's that's common out there in in some areas. But are you trusting and following God's word? Um, and do you submit to what God has called us to with proper worship? So, um, so much more to talk about, but you continue this discussion at lunch with your friends. Talk through what the Bible says in these areas. Um, I'll close in prayer, but I just want to say we love you guys. We're very thankful for you. We're very thankful that we have opportunities to, to walk this path with you. Um, and as we continue to go to God's word, we want to keep learning what God has for us in all these areas. So let's pray, and then you guys can get out of here. God, thank you for... Um, abiding with us as we sang that song again. Um, what a blessing it was to just remember that every day when we rise, it is because of you. And, and every day as we know that there are victories ahead for us already, like already we can be, be assured of the promise that there are victories in front of us that are still to come. God, help, it, help us to use that as a motivation to keep walking this path of faith. Um, and God, help us to remember the incredible promise of eternal life, of those who have died before us in you. Um, they are with you, and they are whole, and they are at true rest. So God, help us um, to live with that promise in mind, to live with an eternal view of what you are doing, not in a temporal view. God, help us to be infants in evil. Um, help protect us. Help us not to, to know evil or to seek it out or to, or to run to it. Um, God, help us to love each other well. 
Um, And in that love, we are showing to the skeptic and to the seeker um, and even to those who are saved, we are showing this incredible gift of who you are and how the Holy Spirit leads us. So we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.